Good morning, Memphis. We are here with your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. You might be listening to us at 8 a.m. on Tuesday on WYXR. If you're joining us live, welcome. Or you might be listening to us via a podcast feed. Uh, We drop a weekly podcast at 9.01 every Tuesday morning because Christy is clever. Uh, My name is Anna Mullins-Ellis. I am here with my teammate and friend, Christy Mullen. Good morning, Christy. Hello, Memphis. So we work at an organization in Memphis called New Memphis. I've said Memphis 100 times already on this podcast, but I'm okay with it. It's very appropriate because that's what this podcast is about. Uh, Every week we bring you a couple of guests who are making change in Memphis, leading something really interesting, doing just innovative work in our community. We are trying to talk to leaders in all pockets of Memphis who are working to shape a better future for our city. So if that's you, reach out to us. We uh, love to hear from our listeners. But this week we have, I think... I mean, well, I I say that every week. So Same. I'm like, we got the best. <laughs> I was like, I need another word for exciting. At this but point. I am really pleased. We have two guests here today who are leading two of I think the most. Um, well, again, I'm using I'm using the word most a lot, but they are really uh, I think at the pinnacle of our arts and culture scene. They are. Yes. So, Christy, who do we have joining us in the studio today? Well, like you alluded to, Anna, we have a creative packed episode today that I am going to say my favorite word. Super excited about. She's super excited. <laughs> I really did. I'm going to nerd out so hard. Just prepare yourselves, guys. You know anything in the arts and culture scene, I'm here for it. And you're just going to have to get over it. That's why you turn in this podcast, because you like it. Um, So we will actually be speaking with Knox Shelton. He is the newest executive director with Indie Memphis. And a little later, Whitney Joe from... Actually, she's the managing director. I get the executive director versus managing director mixed up. She is the managing director over at Playhouse on the Square in the Circuit Playhouse, and she will be joining us in studio as well. Again, two great Memphis assets to join the long line of assets we've been highlighting on this show, and I'm super excited. How do you feel, Anna? I I can't possibly be as excited as you are, That's but <laughs> I am also That's, this is fair. two superstar uh, organizations led, again, by two just amazing folks who are uh, here to tell us how you can get out into the city and safely enjoy some art. Um, so yeah. without further ado, let's jump into it. Let's, let's roll into the episode. All right, guys, we're here in the studio with Knox Shelton from Indie Memphis. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you all today? It's great to be here. Good. <laughs> so, Knox, how, how long have you been on the job now? I know yeah. it's relatively new. Yes, very new. Only, let's see, it's about three months to the day now. So okay. Still, still getting settled in, but it's been a it's been a quick and easy, pretty smooth transition so far. I guess we should start with congratulations then, I, actually. I, I suppose so. <laughs> right, well, thank you all. Thank you all. It's been great. So what uh, what was your relationship with Indie Memphis before you took this role? I mean, I know you're new to the organization as an employee, but I'm curious, did, were you a movie fan? Were you an avid user of Indie Memphis? Always, yes. I've been a big supporter of Indie Memphis almost since I moved to Memphis. Um, it was one of the first organizations I got acquainted with when I moved here to Memphis. Um, I've been going to the festival for years. I can... Um, easily think of one of my, my favorite festival moments, which would have been in 2019. The pandemic makes me rethink what year I'm referring to. Because we lost the whole to. year. It doesn't exist. Right? It was a fever dream. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. It's okay. Um, We're all thriving, right? That's what I tell myself in the mirror every morning. So it's... <laughs> I maybe need, to, maybe need to do a little bit more of that, too. But yeah, in 2019, with their secret screening of Uncut Gems, mm. was one of my favorite memories of the festival over the years. So yeah, I've been a longtime supporter. Um, films played an important part in my life over the years. So it was, um, you know, it, it was kind of a no-brainer to move over there. I was really happy to have the opportunity. Well, excellent. Well, before we jump into all of the details, for those listening who do not know what Indie mm-hmm. Memphis is or what they do, t- give us the, the elevator pitch for Indie Memphis. Really, you know, we see our work as, at Indie Memphis at bringing the world to Memphis and Memphis to the world. We support independent filmmakers to make films here locally in Memphis while also having a um, international film festival each fall. Um, This year, the festival is going to take place October 20th through 25th. Most people do associate us with the festival, Mm -hmm. um, but over the past few years, we've been growing our programming to provide artists with grants and stipends to make um, their film projects, as well as working with youth um, throughout the city to hopefully equip them with the skills um, to either become filmmakers or work within the film industry. Got it. 
I think that's really interesting. Before we hopped on, I know you said you were at Literacy Mid-South before now. How did that journey kind of prepare you to take on the executive director role here at Indy Memphis? And in a lot of ways, I, you know, there's kind of a maybe I shouldn't use the word similar narrative to the work here because that narrative it's kind of what I'm going to talk a little bit about but you know our work at Indy or at Literacy Mid-South was you know about equipping students with the literacy skills they need um, and you know I mentioned our work at Indy Memphis being about bringing the world to Memphis and Memphis to the world in a lot of ways too we try to find ways to support filmmakers to support you know students um, so that they can share their stories and share their perspectives with the world. Um, not to sound too soapboxy and go on a, go on a spiel <laughs> about it. We love the, a soapbox <laughs> around here. Go for it. Well, and talk about the importance of art. But, you know, there is really something to being able to, to learn from, from others. And film is such a fun, accessible medium to do that through um, and can also be high art at the same time. So, you know, a lot of ways the work at Literacy Mid-South and trying to give students the, the very technical skills um, to share their stories. In a lot of ways, I find it very similar at Indy Memphis with their work of trying to provide students with the outlet to share their perspectives and their stories with the world. I think that's super interesting because just in terms of art and culture, I feel like people think about fine art and they think about all the museums we have and they think about music because we have stacks and all those other wonderful things. But I feel like film... It's kind of that piece that people don't forget about because they love it. They just forget about it in terms of an actual art form they're consuming. So I'm just kind of curious from you, you know, what do you think is so important about having an asset like Indie Memphis here in the city for people to have access to? Yeah, I mean, speaking specifically about art, I think the accessibility um, is really not just in terms of you know, accessibility and being able to like go to a screening, mm -hmm. but even just who doesn't enjoy film? You know, there's always film that you can enjoy. And I think um, even, you know, we think of film as being sort of high highbrow art. A lot of people might be like, oh, well, that's not really for yeah. me. But, you know, really, it, you know, it, it can be. And I think it can be such a easy medium for people to um, enjoy. Um, and then even beyond that, talking about, you know, beyond the art component in terms of, um, the the economic impact that mm -hmm. film can have. There's there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of film projects happening right now in the city, and we've also, um, over the past few months and weeks, even we've seen some exciting projects come 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 to light. Um, thinking of Jason Farmer's project with um, the big studio that he's hoping to build here in Memphis, and so you know, for us at Indy Memphis, we want to make sure that we can equip students, um, equip individuals with the skills they need to be able to plug into that industry. Um, it goes much more, I'm still learning about it myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've always just appreciated film as art, but, you know, being able to learn about sound engineers, sound technicians, um, you know, grip and electric requirements, everything that goes into making a film, there's so many people on set making that happen, and it requires a lot of technical skills. And so being able to help um, build that workforce is really important to us at Indy Memphis. We are big movie fans here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I, always threatening. I'm just going to make this say, podcast a movie I podcast. I compete with you, though, <laughs> in terms of movies. Anna I, every morning I come in, I have to, like, fight myself from just being like, all right, we're scrapping this run of show, and we're just going to talk about this Fast not, 9 this morning, yes. break everything down. Um, well, I'm curious. So we've talked about the value, the importance of, of arts and culture, obviously, for any city. Oftentimes when we have folks who are representing organizations that work in that field, um, I'm always curious, what is it that makes art this kind of art in Memphis distinct. So is there a brand of Memphis film that you feel like we either are, you know, sort of carving out something that's unique or a way in which, you know, whether it's the kinds of stories we're telling, I know that you guys are incredibly uh, intentional in the diversity of the filmmakers' voices that you lift up. So tell us just a little about what, what, what makes a quote-unquote Memphis film or filmmaker. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, one, the, the spirit of sort of independence and individuality. I mean, that was one of the things <laughs> that always attracted me to Memphis before I ever moved here. Um, I think that's kind of apparent across all of our filmmakers that there is really this, um, there is a scene to it here locally. Um, and, and then you mentioned diversity. I mean, this is a majority black city. And, you know, we find it really important at Indy Memphis to try and support black filmmakers and some of our most urgent voices to be able to share their art and share their perspective. It's unfortunately not very common in the film industry. And it's still there's a lot of artists that face a lot of barriers to being able to enter the industry. 
um, one of our programs, the Black Creators Forum, which is one of our key um, programs is to try and ease that um, barrier, ease the, ease the entry for black filmmakers to be able to share their art. So we bring um, artists really together over the course of several days to be able to to um, share information, have talks, and, uh, and I say artists because that's very intentional. We have musicians, we have filmmakers, we have visual artists that all kind of come together and be able to share their own stories and perspectives with one another, network, and um, work together to be able to um, get into the industry because it is very tough. Yeah, and you spoke a little bit about like the projects coming up and I know they just recently greenlit the BLP studios which is the black owned studio that will be in Whitehaven mm-hmm. what do you kind of see that meaning for the creatives of Memphis specifically obviously filmmakers I mean I think it could be huge I mean the the size of it I'm going to forget the the other very well-known studio that it's bigger than but it's a massive project mm-hmm. and really really hope that that can that that can you know come to its full fruition because you know, being able to have that, I think, one, we, you know, think of the economic impact that there's a lot of people that can get right. employed through that. And then, two, just the importance of the art. You know, again, being able for black filmmakers to have a studio to gain access to and be able to make their projects in, I think will just be great um, for Memphis. I think it will be very transformative, mm-hmm. quite frankly, just to have something like that. I know they're a long way from it becoming a reality, but it seems very much like it is on its way and it's happening. So I am thinking of it that it's there already, um, which is probably just great naivete of mine, but I think it's going to happen. It is going to. You speak it into existence. So I think it's going to be very transformative for our city. But you talk a lot about all the other people behind the scenes of films. So I just have like a more fun question. Are you somebody that stays through the credits when you watch a movie? It depends. Uh, Sometimes. (laughs) I I will definitely (laughs) stay for the beginning part. I mean, you know, um, the, it's probably something I'm going to appreciate more mm-hmm. now that I am getting that deeper understanding. It's, again, you know, I've always just been someone who's probably, you know, paid attention to the director, <laughs> paid attention to the actors, but now really getting to understand all the people that are making that work behind the scenes, uh, something I'll probably pay a little bit more attention to. Yeah, I, I just know that it's always a dichotomy. You have the people who leave as soon as the film's over, and then you have the people who stay, unless it's Marvel, and then that's a whole conversation. We can do another podcast if you would like, Anna. I would love to. Um, <laughs> But I always think it's interesting because I never did until I had friends who were working on films and mm-hmm. projects. And so I would stay to see their name in the credit at the end because they may not be acting in it, but they had a part in it. And so I was like, oh, OK, this is this is a lot of people. And you kind of since you don't usually stay when you do, you get this whole big appreciation of how many people it takes to make even the smallest film happen sometimes. It's incredible. And, I, and that's something that we really try and stress to through our youth program, too. I think a lot of students, you know, think of you talk about being a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you know, I I could understand being like, well, I'm never going to be that. You know, maybe I'm maybe you but maybe you won't be a filmmaker, but you can play a very important and vital role in making a film. There's a real place for you to be able to work within that industry, do something that you love and make money at the same time. Um, And and then even beyond just films, there's there's um, I'm sure you all experience this here at New Memphis, you know, in terms of, um, you know, with with marketing, you know, in, in some visual marketing, there's just a lot of different opportunities for people to get plugged into the film industry and be able to make a living and also enjoy their art at the same time. And you all keep mentioning this film podcast. I hope I get invited back <laughs> for this film podcast. That, that's, Look, that's we've, we've invested in this podcast yeah. equipment now. And yeah, I mean, yeah. So are we launching another podcast? Is that what you're saying? It's going to be not New Memphis related. I mean, what the, what the world definitely needs is another movie podcast, yeah, right? Like, right. there are only a couple as far as I'm aware. You need me, Christy, talking about Marvel. Topic, yeah. yeah, it's Marvel in particular. Um, well, I'm curious. So for the other film fans out there, you mentioned, of course, the fe- the festival, mm-hmm. which, you know, I hope if you're if you're listening that you've heard of the Indie Memphis Film Festival. It is a great time. Happens in the fall. But if somebody is thinking about wanting to get, you know, just get more engaged in film, whether it be, you know, locally created or just exploring cinema around the world, what else does Indie Memphis host or how else you convene folks to, to enjoy film? Yeah. So we have year round screenings um, over the past year. We've had to take that virtually. Of course. Um, and so right now, you know, by going to our IndieMemphis.org, you, you're able to find our um, films that we offer virtually. We also have um, sort of monthly gatherings. Um, one's called Shoot and Splice that's sort of more targeted towards an audience that 
is actually working or engaged in filmmaking. And we have each month we have a different set of speakers that come together and talk about, um, you know, different specialties or expertise areas that they can share. So, again, that that to me was a new event for me to get involved with. You know, as an Indie Memphis supporter, the Shoot and Splice events was nothing I was highly engaged in as a non-filmmaker. But being able to see how many different people come to those every month that are, you know, either they're either producers, they're either directors, they're either sound engineers. You know, they play a wide variety of roles and being able to network in that space. Um, I think it's truly fantastic. We'll share, you know, hopefully the very beginning of 2022, we will be launching our um, our cinema. So right oh, before cool. the pandemic in 2020, we were um, working with Malco um, here locally on having our own theater and studio on the square right there in Overton really? Park. Um, of course, with the pandemic, had to put that on hold. Um, and so right now we've been working with Malco again and really got an eye at the very beginning of 2022 to actually open our own um, theater here in Memphis. So not only will we have, you know, traditionally before the pandemic, we would have, you know, kind of a weekly screening. Um, and so what we're hoping with the, or not what we're hoping, what we will do with the, <laughs> with the, with the uh, theater is have screenings four times a day, every day of the week. Um, so give people a lot of different opportunities to engage with the films that our programming team does a fantastic job putting together. That was also really fun for me. <laughs> uh, and this job is getting to meet the programming team and getting to understand how they program for the films that we screen. That's that's very exciting and a motivation if you are not currently a supporter of Indie Memphis. I imagine that for members or others, there are, are perks associated with. Yes. Yeah. So for um, we always encourage people to, to become a member um, when you become a member, you do get um, credits to go to our year round screenings, as well as discounts on the Indie Memphis Film Festival Pass. Um, which, you know, will offer you somewhere around 10 to 15 different films to be able to watch during the film festival. Um, so there's a lot of different perks for becoming a member. I um, would highly encourage everyone to go to our website and, and <laughs> sign up to become a member. Is one of the perks of your job that you have to go to other film festivals to to look to I'm using air quotes to to learn yes, <laughs> like are is. you off to France this summer <laughs> so I wish I just we our, our artistic director Miriam is going to Cannes um next week oh that's so um, cool so she's um but that's here. that's the job I want I'm like bye Anna I'm <laughs> going to work for Indie <laughs> <laughs> once my, my my movie podcast really takes off then we'll, we'll both be going okay to, perfect exactly yeah as 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 festivals begin to reopen you know we're I mean there of course can this um this summer in France is um, that's going to be happening in person. There's not many others that have announced in-person festivals mm -hmm. yet. Um, so with ours in um, this October, which will be in person, um, and then the Austin Film Festival and the New Orleans Film Festival that kind of take place around the same time as ours, those are really some of the, the first film festivals that really will be happening in person. Mm -hmm. So hopefully once we get through ours, I'll get to enjoy that perk of getting <laughs> out there and uh, going to some film festivals around the around the country. Yeah, we really didn't chat about, I mean, I feel like at this point in, in all of our lives, like talking about 2020 and the 2020, right. it all feels like very cliche, but so interesting that you started a new job mm -hmm. uh, in a you know, pandemic times and you started a new job in an industry um, that obviously experienced the pandemic in a very particular way. Mm -hmm. So ha how has the last, and again, I know you don't have a, a ton of tenure at the organization, but how has the last year and a half changed the way that Indie Memphis is doing your work? I mean, you mentioned, you know, showing films digitally or, you know, virtually. Is that something that you're going to continue to do even once it's safe to return in person? It is something we're going to continue to do. I think we're really excited to be able to offer stuff in person. I think when people think of Indie Memphis, they really think of that community mm -hmm. that we bring. And that's just, it's really hard to replicate that. And so we're still trying to think creatively on how do we replicate that virtually. I do think, you know, kind of switching industries, coming into this role during the pandemic, it's been fascinating because I think we're everyone in the industry is still trying to figure it out. I mean, even if you think of as a consumer, you know, over the past year with even some of the major releases, some they've decided to wait a year, some they've, you know, gone ahead, you can pay 20 bucks and you can watch it or some, you know, $10, who knows, right? I think the whole industry is still trying to figure out how to do this the right way. So it's been it's been kind of fun to be coming in and kind of learning along with the rest of the with the rest of the industry um, through this process. Um, so it's been exciting. You know, we all still have some work to do on how to do this virtually the best way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right now, distributors for the films that we screen, 
distributors are starting to make the pivot towards really encouraging everyone to get back to in-person screening. So they're starting to not allow us to show as much virtually mm. as they would have a few months ago, um, you know, as they're trying to support local theaters. And we certainly want to do that, too, especially locally with Malco being such a strong supporter of us over the years. Um, so we're still we're still learning. We're still experimenting a little bit. Um, and I think it will be really fascinating to see. I mean, one of the things that we're looking at is doing a lot of sort of retrospectives virtually, um, you know, being able to offer people, you know, um, through talks and panels, um, listening to programmers talk about why this certain film in history is so important and being able to screen that virtually so that people can have the access to it anytime um, while being able to enjoy it at the same time. Hmm. Yeah, one of like, I hope that one of the, um, residual impacts of the pandemic is that I can rent out an entire movie theater from Malco for like a reasonable <laughs> price because there's not like nothing makes you feel cooler than being like come this, in my family this like, is we, my home yes, like me and my entourage I've, I've come in for a, a film we, we went to see I guess this was like back in the fall um and there weren't new films coming into theaters but they had a bunch of re-releases that they were mm -hmm. offering and so we we took advantage mm -hmm. and it was it was fun Nice. Empire Strikes Back, big screen. Oh, nice. Dopey surrounds. Nice. I like it. That's great. Can't can't beat it. I went to my first movie since the pandemic very recently. What did you see? Uh, I went to see Cruella because I am who oh, I am. Christy. Yeah. <laughs> Look, aesthetically, it's amazing. Yes. And also, the soundtrack is also a killer soundtrack. So, all of you judging me out there in listener land right now, pause before you watch it. Okay. Thank you. Um, but I went to the Malco, the Paradiso. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've redone all of their seating inside, so they have the. Do they have the reclining ones? Yes. Ooh. And so I'll was, drive to Carville for those. I was like, <laughs> I'm never leaving. It's, I mean, it's just really cool to me. But I also watched In the Heights recently on HBO Max, but they've also released it on theater in theaters. So, like to your point, Knox, it's really cool to see how they're going about it because some people are like, pay for this and you can watch it at home, or here's a limited release until July and then it's going to be in the thing. So. I think it's, I agree with you. It's super exciting to see where film's going to go because we don't know. I yeah. went to see In the Heights in the theater because I wanted to see it on yeah. the big screen and I went to the Ridgeway 4 and it reminded, I, I, I went with my colleague and friend Christina, who's a big, big yes. musical <laughs> fan and um, it, it was like, Oh, yes, I remember what it's like to go back in the theater because the old woman in front of me got up and moved away because <laughs> Christine and I were too loud. I was like, yep, it's back. We're back in the theater. I Before you leave us, Knox, mm -hmm. I want to know, what is your must-see film? Like, you work for Indie Memphis now, so I feel like people are always going to ask you what's your favorite movie. And you, there are wrong answers, so I, I can only imagine the Just be the glad I'm not asking your top three. Like, what? I mean, unless you have them, and then I'll gladly take your top three. I, but what's your favorite movie? I, de I definitely have a top three in mind. I will yes. say the film that I would strongly encourage everyone to go see, it's an older film. Uh, it's Victor Rice's The Spirit of the Beehive. It's um, a film about a young girl living in rural Spain um, who this would have been – Oh, I should, probably shouldn't try and guess the date because I'm going to mess it up, and I'm sure <laughs> someone will find me and correct me. But um, right at or during the Spanish um, Civil War, I think right before World War II. Oh, I don't know. Um, but it, Frankenstein was brought to their little village to be screened, and really the whole movie is about how much that watching Frankenstein impacted this girl's life, and it, it, it's about how it permeates her everyday life in this small town in Spain. Um, and for me, it perfectly captures sort of the way that film can can really get into you and crawl crawl under mm. your skin and impact the narratives all around you. Um, and, and it reminds me a little of myself as a little kid and, and how much film meant for me. Um, but after that, of course, you know, being a Memphian, I've got to pick um, Mystery Train by Jim Jarmusch. Um, as, as a favorite. So having him at the festival a few years ago was, was cool. also incredible. Um, and then after that, we'll probably pick Varda's Vagabond. That's a, um, I don't know, it's close. I enjoy everything, though. There's nothing <laughs> I don't enjoy. Um, so I, I can, I've not seen Cruella, but I will definitely give it a go. <laughs> I saw the judgment in both of your eyes. Oh, no, it's no, no, okay. no, no. I, I actually haven't watched Cruella, but it's on my list. Um, it's I kind of good. thought that like my, 
my six-year-old niece would want to watch it, so I was waiting, and or my sister was like, um, no, that's like way too mature for her. And I was like, oh, well. It actually <laughs> was a very, in terms of, I know people still associate Disney, but as they're like pivoting into this, you know, they have the streaming platforms and they own everything. Now, I feel like it was a very mature movie. And I saw a bunch of people who did take their kids that were kind of like, I maybe should have taken my kids to see that. And I'm like, I don't know if it was that mature, but like I... I Spoilers for Cruella. (laughs) I think, though, like I've heard, like via like tweets and whatnot, that like the premise is that Cruella's backstory is like her parents were killed by Dalmatians, and I think that's hilarious. And I, for that reason alone, like I was very much on the fence. Like maybe I will or will not see Cruella, and I'm like I will absolutely pay thirty dollars to Disney to watch Cruella. That is part of it, but not the entire story. So we didn't spoil anything. I feel well, like anyone could find that. I online. just like the um, the, the <laughs> origin story for Cruella is much darker. Than, I, and I'm all like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited to uh, understand how a pack of wild purebred Dalmatians. Villains <laughs> get made somehow. And Disney is there to explain how this happens. I'm it is a lot right now. Right. This yeah. is fascinating. I, I mean, no idea. <laughs> you thought that like drowning puppies and skinning them was bad. But did you ever consider Knox that her mother <laughs> Was murdered by a puppy. I, d- I did not. I did not <laughs> consider that at all. I feel like we've just given like Disney a blank check, you know. And like, <laughs> I think whatever they make, we're gonna go. Yep, we're gonna we're into it. Yeah, like, this sure, is great. <laughs> well, Knox, before you leave us, uh, I give the people the website and also if you guys have social media where they can find you again. Yeah. So IndieMemphis.org is our website. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Indie Memphis. Um, would highly encourage everyone to go follow us on there. Um, the team does a great job of mm-hmm. trying to get get the get the word out about what we've got going on, as well as kind of giving a little behind the scenes look at, at the team. And they're they're a great bunch. It's been tremendous to learn from them over the past few months. And so, um, hope hope to see you all at the film festival this Absolutely. fall. It'd be great to be out there and around some people again. And um, hopefully, you know, at our at our theater at the beginning of twenty twenty two. Well, congratulations again oh, on the new you. position and everything that you guys have cooking. It's exciting. So yeah. thanks for thanks for being with us today, and we'll have to have you back this fall and talk more about the festival. Yeah, and this movie podcast. I'm ready for uh, the spinoff. <laughs> I'm ready for the spinoff movie podcast. We need Indie Memphis it. to launch it, and then me and Anna will come and be your co-hosts. Right. Let's Absolutely. do that. Yeah, that, yeah. Makes, that makes more sense. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Have a good one, Knox. Thank thanks you. for coming in. Thank you. Well. Bye. Okay, guys, we are here in studio with Whitney Joe. That was an accidental rhyme. Um, <laughs> kind of, but not kind of. Um, so she is the managing director of the Midtown Treasure Playhouse on the Square and the Circuit Playhouse. Uh, welcome to Thank the studio. You. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you all doing? Good. You, to- you were telling us before we launched into the live that you just got back recently from sunshiny Florida. I did. I did. You're looking very nice and tan. Well, I do what I can. You know, <laughs> it's important. It's unlike me, who I just merge into one giant freckle, and it's like the appearance of a tan. Uh, that's kind of what happens over here in Pale Land. Uh, but I'm super happy that you got to be here. You're on this episode uh, with our friend Knox Shelton Love from Indie Memphis. And so I think it's just going to be a really cool ep to highlight everything that's going on in the arts and culture world in Memphis. So first things first, tell us a little bit about you and how you got to where you are. Uh, interesting story. Uh, let me see. When I was born, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Picture it, Sicily. It was a dark and nice. <laughs> I'm Sophia. <laughs> uh, no, uh, you know, I was, I got into theater when I was 12. My mother took me to see a play at a local high school. It was Greece, And after the play, I looked at my mom and I said, I want to do that. And so the next day she enrolled me in acting classes and voice lessons and dance classes. And, and that took me all the way through college. And then I decided that I was not quite as talented as everybody else. Stop. Uh, I know, I know. It was a revelation. I haven't had that revelation. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> and, and so I went on oh, to the, the management side of it. Yeah. And uh, Jackie Nichols offered me a job back in 92, and I turned him down. Uh, he wanted me to come here on an internship for $75 a week. And I said, nah. <laughs> I had one a little bit more money, and so I moved to Maine to work at a theater up there, and uh, then the day that I quit my job in Maine, I had no idea what I was going to do, and he called me again that day, and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, actually, I just quit my job, 
He said, now how does that $75 a week sound? <laughs> Did the price drop? He was like, how about $70 a week? <laughs> and I said, on my way. And so I got here December 27th, 1993. Uh, and I worked wow. in the box office and the scene shop building sets. Then they realized I knew how to use a computer. <laughs> you know, back then, a lot of people didn't. They did. Okay. Yeah, they'll utilize uh, the skills where they can get them. I'm aging myself right now. <laughs> and... Um, and so I kind of worked my way up, and uh, by 1995, I became the managing director of Playhouse on the Square and have been here ever since. Love every minute. That's so cool. <laughs> well, tell so uh, along with your personal history, I think that the history of Playhouse on the Square is a fascinating one, has been around for a long time. Yes. And has evolved immensely. Um, so <laughs> take us from... Playhouse founding to where we are at in 2021. Absolutely. Uh, Jackie Nichols, uh, when he was in high school, started a group with two other people called the Circuit, what were they called? The Circuit Players. Mm. And they were called that because they traveled around Memphis to perform. Uh, nobody got paid. And uh, there's a lot of stories out there about how they got the wood for the scenery. I'm not going <laughs> into all that. But uh, they performed throughout the city. And then they decided that they were going to uh, incorporate. And so they've had, you know, we've had homes by the University of Memphis, uh, on Poplar Avenue, on Poplar Avenue again. And it just kept moving around and it, and it was called the Circuit Playhouse. And then uh, back in the 80s, Overton Square said, we want you to move into the old Lafayette's, which is now the new Lafayette's. <laughs> and so that's, uh, Circuit Playhouse wasn't really... The right fit for that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed something more with Broadway type shows, more energy, the big musicals, and so that's where Playhouse on the Square was born. Um, and so Circuit Playhouse was over on Poplar Avenue. Playhouse on the Square moved into the Square, and then of course uh, the Memphian became available. Uh, you know that was an old movie theater and had become an adult movie theater. And um, not so stay just, classy, Memphis. I know, you're just dropping some history. I'm right, dropping history, <laughs> and it was owned by Danny Owens. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people remember Danny Owens. Danny Owens got in a lot of trouble. He had a lot of adult uh, businesses throughout Memphis, okay. and uh, needed some cash to pay his attorneys. And we needed that building, and so <laughs> it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> it was a match made in heaven. Uh, and so we 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 bought the Memphian and uh, moved Playhouse on the Square down to the Memphian, uh, and of course then Lafayette's Playhouse on the Square became, I think it was a comedy club next, I can't remember what it came, but yeah. uh, the you know, and then we decided back in the 90s that we needed a real theater, and by that I mean every space we had been in was a converted movie theater. Mm. So we have no space above the stage, mm. we have no space on the sides of the stage, so everything has to be portable and small. And uh, so we decided to launch a capital campaign and build what is now Playhouse on the Square. And so we did that, and then we moved Circuit over to the old Playhouse. All we do is we keep moving. Um, But now we're set. And so we have this wonderful space that has been empty for 16 months, and Mm -hmm. we're very, very excited to get people back in. Um, and, And that's kind of our history. We're going into our 54th season, our 53rd season, obviously, was about online programming. Uh, we mm-hmm. did. We streamed some shows. Uh, we streamed. We we created over 225 hours of online programming for kids, for adults, and but now we're ready to get back into the the live. <laughs> so that's kind of our history in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah I love it. we were just talking with Knox, obviously about um, you know the the experience of being in a theater to watch a film and how that is distinct. But it, I mean, not to. I, I, and I believe that is very true for movies. Go Absolutely. see movies in theater. Um, but it's so, so true for like actual <laughs> like theatrical plays just to say the difference of being in a room with other people going through that experience. Yeah. I mean, you have to have the audience mm-hmm. and the actors in the same room. I mean, it's that sharing of the space. It's that energy, um, the synergy of it. We miss that. Mm. And we're ready. So tell us. So you're you're ready. <laughs> We're ready. What what is <laughs> so, the impending doom? No. So what is what is the plan as you're going into this next season? When can people 
return to the playoffs on the square? Two weeks. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, what we're <laughs> doing is we're starting out small. Uh, we, you know, throughout this whole pandemic, we were not sure what people would want to do. Do they want to go back into a closed space and sit next to somebody that they don't know who's now breathing on them? You know, but we want to get rid of all of that. And so we're starting real small. We're starting with a show. We're going to open down at Theater Works, which is a very small mm-hmm. space. It's 100 seats. We're not going to open at 100% capacity. Uh, we're going to space people out. It's a show called Ivanka versus Reality. And uh, that's, I'm like, you have me. What it, let's go into that. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's about a screenwriter who is losing her grip. Um, and she's going into midlife oblivion. Uh, and the whole uh, center of this play is that uh, Ivanka Trump was correct in saying, if someone was pers- like, stop, stop the tape. <laughs> <laughs> if someone perceives something to be true, it is more important than if it is fact true. So it's all about the perception. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very timely right now. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to start with that one. So Ivanka, okay. Ivanka's not in it, just so you know. <laughs> She's like, I would just like to preface She's before you make it. your judgments. <laughs> Although if it'll sell more tickets. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, and then we're going to open a show at Playhouse called Days of Rage, which is also very uh, timely. It, it takes place 1969. It's five 20-something idealists find themselves in the middle of a country divided. They're living together in upstate New York, and uh, they're trying to figure out society uh, denouncing monogamy and capitalist notions. So it's very – no, we're not being political at all this season. Um, <laughs> sorry. I really feel like they forced our hand. I don't it, know. You know, what you know we, we take what is current and we run with it. Um, and then we're, we're also a very small cast, and, and that will be at Playhouse – uh, where we have 347 seats, we're going to spread people mm-hmm. out, etc. cetera. Uh, we're waiting to do, our, we generally open with a big blockbuster musical. Right. Well, there's still, you know, uh, musicals, people are singing, they're spitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I probably shouldn't say they spit, but, you know, <laughs> if you've seen enough people sing, they you spit. You see it in the light. You we know. all know it's there. <laughs> Come on. So we are waiting until uh, November, and we're going to open... Little Shop of Horrors for our holiday Fine. season. And, in fact, uh, we're doing a little bit of a COVID spin on it. Um, you know, plant from outer space, <laughs> people eating, blood eating. You'll see what happens when we get it up on stage. But it's it's a great musical. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. It's also a smaller cast. Uh, we, we decided not to move to the larger cast until after the first of the year. Uh, but we will be doing a kids show. We, we, we didn't do Peter Pan this year uh, simply because we weren't sure schools would be ready to take field trips again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are going to do Toymaker's Apprentice, which is a great family show. And, uh, and then uh, after the first of the year, we're going to be premiering a new show, new, new to the world, uh, called May We All. And it is uh, Florida Georgia Line. And like other- the musicians? Yes. Okay. You've heard of them. That's so good. I'm from Mississippi originally, <laughs> oh, so it's really like... They teach you that in second I have no choice at this point. It's just knowledge I they've have. They've taken out critical race theory, and they've added <laughs> just a history of country music. <laughs> we'll take out race, we'll go to country. Uh, yeah, May We All is uh, Florida, Florida Georgia Line, and it also has music by other country artists. Okay. And uh, it's a, it's a it, it's kind of a hallmarky type script. It's the... The small town girl moves to the big city to become a famous musician, singer, and comes back home, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Love. Oh, you had to, you had, you, at the Hallmark, I'm like, it, our narrative is running through my mind. It, you know, <laughs> know, if you know Hallmark, you, you know this show. Uh, but we'll, we, we will be premiering. We're bringing in a director and a scenic designer from um, out, of the, out of the state, okay. and uh, it being produced by us and by a company in New York and a company in California. I, th- I mean, it's like we've been working on this thing for two, three, two and a half years. Okay. Oh, wow. So we're anxious to finally get it up on stage. So we will be the premiere and then it will open, open in Nashville. Oh, 
fun. So, yeah, we're going to build the set here, which will go with them and all of that. It's, it's going to be great for us. You guys have so much coming up on the dock. It, it's very varied, uh, which I think is important, especially, you know, not just in general, but I think coming out of the pandemic, you need to have as many options on the table <laughs> for people because everyone's in a different mental state. So <laughs> what they want to see is different. You spoke a lot at the beginning, kind of, you just talked about a few locations, but Midtown has really gone through like this artistic innovation over time, like where things have gotten to now. Mm-hmm. What do you think is so cool and just distinct about the art scene in Memphis in general, or just that area I think is so unique? Well, definitely it, the area is great, uh, especially with the new Memphian Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, FYI, uh, it's great. Uh, it's beautiful. It is. It is. It's very midtowny, mm-hmm. which is what we needed. <laughs> And it makes it more of a destination because now people can come and stay yeah. and go to the theater, go to the zoo, go to the ballet, um, you know, and, and all the restaurants. Yes. I mean, you know. It's just as walkable. Yes. If, but there was just nowhere to stay, really. No. And the rooms are great. Uh, not that I've stayed there, but I have gotten to go into a them tour. and look at yeah. them. Uh, and I'm looking forward to going up to the rooftop bar. Uh, one of the local artists painted. I didn't painted. even know there was a rooftop bar. Oh, yeah. There's a rooftop bar, and one of our local artists painted the bar to look like astrology with the stars. And huh. Sold. It's, it's really cool. Yes. It's really cool. Uh, and I think that is now open. I'm not positive, but I think it's now open. Field um, trip. Field trip. <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> No, it's it's. I think that the arts in Memphis are extremely unique uh, because I've traveled to a lot of other cities, and the the arts and culture here, we all get along. Mm-hmm. We all want to help each other. We all pull for, pull for each other. It's that theory of, and I'm I'm gonna mess this up. Uh, boats float. What do you? What? A rising tide lifts all boats. There you go. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I knew I was. I was be- like, I am no help over yeah. here. <laughs> no, you're you're Florida Georgia line. We got you. Please, please don't. We got that you. is not a. Re- I you, no. you admitted it. Look, on live on air. That's yeah. not fair. I am going to redact. I am not. I just happen to know the reference. Okay. Okay. We're not. We're not going back that far. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's we all uh, support each other and. We all try and make sure that everybody's doing well. And th- this past year and a half has really proven that as well mm. because we all checked in on each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it became a, what can we do to help you? And it's always been that way. It became a little bit more important over the past year and a half. And a lot of groups helping other groups, whether that's helping them apply for PPP loans or, or whatever that was. Uh, and it's just a good feeling. A lot of cities, it's more competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I love about Memphis. Memphis is not, I shouldn't say it's not competitive, but it's more of a, hey, grab your neighbor, hug them, and let's do this together. And I I think that's across the board in Memphis. People help each other. Uh, So, And, of course, Overton Square is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We have all the great. I, I remember when it was when it tanked, when it was everything was closed and boarded up, and they wanted to sell it and knock down the buildings and. Bob Loeb came in and said, no, uh, the revitalization has been phenomenal. I mean, you look at it, not only are there, I don't know, I know there's not 400 restaurants, but I'm going to say there's 400 restaurants. <laughs> uh, but we've got the movie theater, we've got Hattie Lou Theater, Circuit Playhouse, Theater Works, uh, Playhouse on the Square, the ballet. Yes. I mean, it's, it, and in our building alone, we have Indie Memphis, Literacy Mid-South, uh, Memphis Youth Symphony. Oh, well, I didn't realize y'all are all in the same We're all together. And so it's just, it's great synergy with everybody. And uh, we walk around and you know everybody. It's like a little, it's like a little Mayberry. You know, (laughs) a little Mayberry for those of you that are older and know what Mayberry means. See, I know that reference too. There we go. Okay. (laughs) And so uh, I think that the arts are all ready to come back and... um, Give everybody in the city a chance to escape, relax, have fun, mm-hmm. laugh, sing, uh, maybe get up in the aisles and dance. Uh, I think I think we're all kind of ready for that. And and Overton Square is definitely ready. You can tell the restaurants are picking up. Uh, everything is just getting more and more busy, and everybody seems to have a smile on their face. You know, I mean, people are happy. Let them be happy. I mean, in, in this oppressive heat, anything that makes you happy, let them be happy. 
I think it's super cool because it's something we say a lot around here. It's just like it's collaboration, not competition. Yes. Um, and so I think to what you're speaking toward about y'all's community, and I know we see it a lot in the nonprofit world as well, is like when we come together to work toward a cause, we make a much larger impact. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's a really beautiful sentiment because I just think it's really cool to hear just me and I hope the listeners as well just to hear what a collaborative community our art scene is oh absolutely I mean it's it's important I mean you know if you if you work in a bubble uh you just miss so much and and you miss that camaraderie you miss you miss their help you know I mean it's that uh, well you have to imagine that I don't know like the sort of creative vibrations that come Mm -hmm. out of Midtown I do think have inspire others you know and if you are just a consumer of the arts as i as i am um if you are someone who goes and enjoys you know a fabulous play at playhouse on the square you're probably also the person that might enjoy the 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 film that they're screening over at malco or you might be the person that enjoys the ballet so it does feel like um that it's not just that we're supporting one another, but that you truly are sort of inspiring one another. Yes. And I, you know, one question that we ask everybody that comes through these doors, um, but I think is particularly um, uh, appropriate as we talk to folks in the arts and culture sector, you know, when we're trying to celebrate Memphis as a place that is a wonderful city to be in, to live in Absolutely. today, but also has, you know, is teeming with potential, is a place that is, you know, where we're all kind of working towards a, a bigger vision for what we all can be. And I think that the arts are, again, I mean, even just the story that you've told about Playhouse from mm-hmm. in the last 54 years, <laughs> it really is this like, you know, manifestation of some of our greatest talent doing what they do best. Um, the storytelling, you know, I think, you know, you guys are really documenting in some ways, like the journey of our city. So I, I'm curious, we asked this to Knox and I'll sort of reframe it for you. What is it about Memphis theater and your Memphis theater community that you feel like is distinct? How, like what, if anything, makes us a little bit different from the theater scene in St. Louis or Detroit or or okay. L.A. Or I want to know what Knox said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Knox, get back He here. said there is no difference, and yeah. then he left. That's <laughs> <laughs> Knox. That's a way to start off his uh, purview. At you know, I think that uh, here in Memphis, we take chances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially at Playhouse, uh, we don't shy away from anything. We don't shy mm. away from controversy. We don't shy away from language, nudity. We, we don't do anything just to do it. We make sure that it affects our community in some way. And I think a lot of the groups do that. I mean, yes, we do the big musicals. Right. Uh, the big musicals pay yeah. for these other shows uh, that allow us to explore uh, what's happening in our community right now, what's happening in politics, what is happening um, to to the person, to people. It's It's... It's educational in a way. It's to spark conversation in a way, but it's also escapism uh, at its finest. I mean, it's you go in there and you could have a terrible day, and you get into the theater and it just takes you to a whole different world. Mm-hmm. But when, like, when you're at home and you're, I'm a TV junkie. <laughs> if you're at home and you're watching TV, yes, you're escaping, but your dog's barking, you know, the husband's yelling, whatever's happening. It, you can't fully be engrossed. At the theater, you are fully engrossed. You're sitting there, and that's what you're watching. And you're sharing this experience with other people from the community, uh, people who you don't know. Uh, and it, it, it kind of is a bonding experience. It is. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, after the show, everybody's in the lobby just, oh, my gosh, did you think <laughs> blah, da 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 And it's really cool. I mean, you know, it's that heartwarming so I'm not sure I answered your question, but it's, it's I don't know, we, we take risks. We, we look at our community. Uh, we don't just produce shows to produce shows. We look at what would benefit Memphis and Shelby County. What would, we, we try and make sure, I mean, we're doing 14 shows this year, starting in July. And it's, we try and make sure we have something for every single person in this community. Not everybody's going to like every show. We know that. I don't like every show. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's important that there's something that you can go see or you can go see, you know, that you would appreciate and enjoy. And again, it goes back to storytelling. And so 
did did that answer your question? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I think it definitely did because I think humanity itself is such a varied experience yes. for all of us. And if you were just producing shows or showing shows that are from your experience, what you like, that's not what the theater is supposed no. to be. I, it's a weirdly intimate experience, even though you're sitting in a crowd with strangers watching a show. Like the amount of times I know I've like cried in a theater because of a show is just sad at this point. <laughs> but like, it, it's oh, true. Got some shows for you. (laughs) Well, it's just like that weird thing is like you are surrounded by people that you don't know, but it is a solely, it's a weird experience that is only happening between you and the people on stage. So I think that's something that's really, as like a visual artist and a fan of the visual arts in general, like I think it's something that they all have in common is it's it's a user experience not to get like technical terms but between (laughs) you and the performance you're watching or the art you're intaking and i just think that's such a cool thing and i'm gonna stop being a nerd now anna ask a question (laughs) you're not a nerd (laughs) you're impassioned no i there you go um thank you for that (laughs) i just for our audiences like i i think it's an important distinction that that playhouse on the square is a professional theater. Correct. Um, so these are all working, paid actors yes. and directors and set designers and all of that. Um, so, tell, I mean, tell me a little bit about the business. Of, I mean, I think that's one, an important distinction because I think it elevates the quality of the art. Yes. Um, but it also means that we can support art because we pay <laughs> artists to make it. We're not just we asking do. them to show up. <laughs> and if you've ever seen volunteer community theater, you know there's a difference. There, yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> There is. There's some great theater out there. Uh, but we, we are a professional resident theater company, which means that we have a company of actors who we have, uh, most of them have moved to Memphis. Mm-hmm. They, you know, we brought them in for a year or so, and now they reside here. Uh, like myself, I came here in 93. Uh, that was a very, very long time ago. And I was in my 20s, so we won't talk about what I am now. But <laughs> um, we pay everybody. And we, we pay per performance. We pay... For rehearsal times, we pay box office, we pay uh, everybody that works on a show, everybody that teaches a class. Uh, it's very important to us uh, because we feel that we are helping uh, artists. You know, artists are some of the poorest paid people ever. And uh, sort of like with the pandemic, we went from a $2.7 million organization we cut our budget by uh, a million and a half uh, wow. because we were closing. And uh, the number one goal from day one was to keep everybody employed, which we did. Uh, Congratulations. We, we didn't take anybody off like of payroll. That. Any of our actors that were in shows, we went ahead and paid out their contracts because we knew they were counting on that money. And, uh, I mean, I'm not saying we pay a lot. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Uh, but we're working on it. I mean, we were... Anyone sitting at home thinking, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get rich going to work, into to work in nonprofit theater. Uh, no, you will not get rich. But, uh, you know, it, it's important that everybody knows that they're valued. And sometimes paying them, even a small amount, is, is important because you're showing we value you. We're not, we're not just going to, you know... Have fun with this. You're working. We want you to work. We want you to devote your time to create this art with us and to give us 100%. Yeah. And um, we have very loyal staff, very loyal actors and musicians. Um, it, it, it's a great feeling. I mean, it is. It's a big dysfunctional family. <laughs> Uh, that you know, and we're working on getting salaries up. We were yeah. we were on a great track for that uh, until COVID, uh, but we're going to reinstitute those salary increases starting this fall, and get everybody up to a more livable wage. Right, and uh, that's important because we feel like we're also helping Memphis grow mm-hmm. uh, by adding to the economy. And uh, you'd be amazed how many people are, are interns. We have eighteen interns that come here straight out of college. Wow. Uh, they make a little more than 75 a week now. <laughs> uh, not much, but they make a little more. And uh, we house them in Cooper and Young. And uh, they, a lot of them stay. You know, yeah. it's quite amazing to me. They, they just, we have one right now. She went and got an apartment. She's staying. Now she's working in our box office part-time. She's teaching in our conservatory. She was an intern for us for two years. She said, I'm, I'm staying here. And a lot of them do. They stay in Memphis. And so we really do feel like we are improving 
the workforce in Memphis, mm-hmm. uh, improving the economy, just making it a better place. And that's part of our mission is to improve our community and, and to do what we can to make it a better place. Yeah. So paying people is important to us. And eventually we'll continue to pay more. <laughs> Uh, yes, you're not going to get rich working in the not-for-profit no, world. No, <laughs> and I think in the art world, it's hard yes. in general. So I think that is something I did want you to like touch on a little bit, is that you guys are a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I think people sometimes forget that theaters in general operate oftentimes as nonprofits as well. Yes. So outside of buying tickets, which of course is like the logical way to support, you guys also need donations, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to turn down any donations. Uh, yes, we sell tickets. We sell subscriptions. We do two major fundraisers a year, an art auction. Uh, we do a, a thing called uh, The Great Wine which is in July this year, July 27th. Mm, it's coming up. It's going to be outside, cool. uh, so it might be a little warm, but we're going to have fans and tents. And um, and it is 10 wine stations. You guess, you go to the wine station and you have a quiz that you have to take. You have to figure out what show they represent um, and something about that show. And you can buy clues, but the wine label is a clue. The actor is a clue. Mm. And uh, your your very own Whitney Joe here will be <laughs> grilling hamburgers and hot dogs uh, for everybody. And we've got carnival gifts, things like that, a little VIP area uh, as well that um, will be a little cooler. But uh, it's, a, it's great fun. So we try and do a couple fundraisers a year. We have educational classes. Uh, we have summer camps going on right now that will go on through August. And, um, and then everything else is really... The rental of our facility, we rent out our building quite a bit, um, and then donations, uh, whether they're from foundations, corporations, individuals. All are welcome. <laughs> we're, 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 any, anything. Uh, I was actually at a celebration of life service yesterday, had two people come up and hand me checks um, oh. and said, these, you know, this is for Playhouse, and, and it was great. It was just like, well, thank you, yeah. as I'm handing them sandwiches, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, we count on that. And it, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, it's been a hard 16 months. It's been a hard 16 months for everybody. Uh, and so donations have uh, helped us really a lot get us through this. So, yeah. Well, tell everybody before you go where they can buy those tickets, get that subscription, Absolutely. make those donations. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, and subscriptions, by the way, are on, they get $20 off if you subscribe before August 1st. Oh, okay, cool. You get $20 off, and you use them however you want. So you could bring, a typical subscription is eight, eight tickets. You could bring seven of your friends to see Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, you could bring one friend to see four shows. Or if you're like me, you could go by yourself <laughs> to eight shows. Uh, it's the most flexible ticket in town, wow. and it's good from July to June. It's good for a year. So it's a full year cycle. It's full year. And we do 8-packs, 12-packs, 16-packs. You want a pack, I will make a pack for you. <laughs> Customize Customize. Customize. Uh, our box office, uh, can I can I give the number to that? Please. It's, yes. Okay, it's 901-726-4656. A lot of sixes. 726-4656. Tickets are on sale for the whole season. Uh, and you can reserve your seats if you're like I'm very particular. I like to sit in the back row on the aisle, so you can see the whole thing. It is, it, and it's that I don't know. It's something about I can see the audience reaction, and you can get out fast if you need to. And that's it. <laughs> uh, and also, you know, we're launching a brand new website uh, in July, and it's uh, PlayhouseOnTheSquare.org. If you go there now, you're not going to see a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's going to pop up at some point yeah. over the next thirty days. So. Uh, be on the lookout for that. We're very excited about our new website coming out, uh, and it'll have all the information on different ways you can give. Um, we encourage people to uh, – we, we have programs such as, like, Producers Club, where you give us $1,000 a year. We put it over at the Community Foundation. We use the interest mm-hmm. from that to bring in guest artists. So our mm. directors, our scenic designers, cool. uh, we use that for that. Uh, we have the Circle 69 Club, which is – you put us in our you, you put us in your will 
Hmm. Um, and we put your name up on the wall, right. and, and we we hug you every time we see you. Uh, <laughs> I'm very I'm very good at that part. Uh, so we have lots of opportunities um, to help out. I encourage people if you're not a Playhouse fan, let me try and convince you otherwise. Uh, but I encourage everybody to support the arts, to support the not-for-profits, uh, and to get out there and make a difference in your community by helping these not-for-profits. Well, Whitney Joe, we're big fans of your work. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you for coming in, and we'll hope to have you back and check in with us later in the year and see how this season is shaping up. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd love to come back. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Have Thank a good day. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys, that ends today's episode. It was so good. How are you feeling, Anna? I feel really pumped, and it's not just because I'm a huge nerd. I need some recovery here, so please jump in at any time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, like, ready. It's a, it's it's 9 a.m., but I'm, like, ready to go home and watch some movies. So. Right. All right, that does it for this week's episode. Until next Tuesday. Uh, Christy, where can people find us? Yes, as you said, numavus.org is a great place to stay involved, but you know where else you can go, guys. I say it every week. Follow us on social media at The New Memphis. If you just type in The New Memphis in your search bar, guess who's going to come up? Yep, that's us. So, perfect timing. Go there, follow us along, follow along with us. Don't follow me personally because that's scary in the streets, but follow along with us on social to see all the cool upcoming events we have and also our recruitment and how you can get involved there. And like Anna said, numavis.org. And we hope to see you in one of our programs soon. All All right. right. Have a good week, Memphis. Bye.